Well, it is a great pleasure uh, to be here and to be asked to come and visit with you today. Uh, you know, I, I have to admit, every time I walk in the building, it's been almost, it's been going into our fifth year now since I stepped down and we asked this young man to come and, and lead the church. And uh, every time I walk in, I just stand amazed at God's goodness and His grace um, for all of you, for this church family, for everything that He does, and for the pastor's uh, steadfast faith to God's Word, to bringing you uh, the truth that God speaks, and in helping all of us to apply that to our lives every day. That said, when Pastor Rusty calls somebody and asks him to come and preach, especially me, uh, the question is always first in my mind, why? Why has he done this? And then he says to me on the phone, have you ever preached on this particular book? And, uh, and I said, yes, I have. I, I have to go back and look. And it had been 12 years since I had brought this subject up. And I sent it to him thinking when he sees what I, the angle that I took on this particular scripture, uh, that he wouldn't want me to do it. And he said, no, no, that's perfect. That's perfect. And, um, you know, he taught for a few weeks on uh, first out of, of Colossians and all of that. And then he taught on church membership and uh, what a blessing it is to be a part of the family of God and what that means in our responsibilities and everything to one another. And even just moments ago, he read a passage about unity uh, in the body. And uh, my sermon is called Conflicted. And the book is about what happens when Christians fight. And then I realized when you have a subject that's tough, you bring in an expert. And yeah, I fight. So there you go. We're going to talk about that today. Open your Bibles to Philemon, if you would. We are going to look at this letter today, and it ties in. Paul uh, wrote this after all of the things that happened in our study about Colossae and the church there and what had happened. And Pastor Russ has been teaching us great lessons about life in the church and uh, we're going to talk a little bit today about what it means when we find ourselves in conflict. And as Christians, many times we find ourselves as conflicted people, and I don't even mean in the way of to one another. When we enter into this relationship with Jesus Christ, I think there's a conflict that exists then within every man, woman, and child, the tension between our carnal natures, our human self, and our spiritual life and what we, what we believe God has called us to. And the Apostle Paul talks about that greatly in Romans 7 and in Romans 8. When you, when you read those chapters, you, you see how he even calls himself a wretched man because he's living in conflict. He says he does the things that he doesn't want to do and he doesn't do the things that he wants to do. And I think if we're all honest that there are probably many times we find ourselves in that very same situation. But he comes at the end of chapter 7 and says, thanks be to God, uh, through Jesus Christ, we are people who can live in this tension because of listening to the Holy Spirit that lives within us. And that said, there are always opportunities and room within the church family for there to be conflict even among fellow believers in the church all we have to do is start talking with one another about politics or or health care or the job market or what we study in the church or what color the paint's going to be on the walls in the church building or the condition of the carpet or we're going to have vacation bible school or are we not and god forbid should we wear masks in here when we're unhealthy you know we get into it right we're going to look today at what god's word teaches us 
about conflict and about how to deal with conflict in a healthy manner. When I told my grandchildren that I was going to be talking about this today, uh, they joined right in and said, yes, Papa, you know what you're talking about because you fight with Grammy all the time. So uh, we're going to not listen to me. Thank God we're going to listen to his word. Amen? Amen. All right, so Philemon, just to give you a background, it's one of those one-chapter books of the Bible that's kind of easy to overlook. It's written from Paul while he's in prison to a dear friend of his uh, by the name of Philemon. Philemon was from Colossae. As a matter of fact, when you go back and read about him, he helped to plant the church there, and the church actually was meeting in his home. So he's a very prominent member of the church at Colossae, and sometime after Paul leaves Colossae, a slave by the name of Onesimus runs away from Philemon's house. Now, a few weeks ago, Pastor Rusty talked about slavery for just a moment, and you know, the estimates say there were some 60 million slaves living uh, in Rome at that time in the empire, and uh, those people could be bought and sold, but there was a lot of variations between how they were treated from house to house, but slavery was a common practice. And if a slave ran away, then the master of the house could put his name on a registry and with his name and his description, and he would literally be on a wanted list. So if people saw him, uh, he could be returned back to the owner, but he didn't have to be automatically. There was nuances to their laws and about how things could work. And Paul writes to his friend, both as a mentor to both men, advising them on what's to do right in their relationship. And that's where we come into this letter. Just about slavery in context had the had the early faith made slavery its number one issue then christianity would be probably more of a social program than anything else i believe there are great overriding principles in god's word and that's what we're going to see in one line in this letter uh, how the apostle deals with this subject and the fact that this man had run away as a slave so i want to read the letter if you'll just follow along with me we'll read the whole thing it's just one chapter and we'll see what paul has to say about all this I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Echippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, Though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you, I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus. I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. 
but I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and as do, so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you and with your spirit. So we find this situation where this guy's slave has run away, and you know this is in, in that day, and no matter how we like it or not, property of the, of the owner. And um, he had every right to have this slave punished for running away. He could have done, as many Christians do, and just ignored uh, what the, the, the preacher man, I guess, was saying to him, Paul's pleas for grace, and he could have met that with a, a wall of silence and anger and confusion, just, you know, say, I'm not going to do it. He, this is the guy deserves this punishment. But this thing is about confrontation, and it's about healthy confrontation, because all of us find ourselves in conflict from now and then. It's going to happen both within and without the Christian community, but he's particularly talking to us within the church today about how we resolve conflict with one another. And conflict is a very natural thing. I read a book years and years ago called Caring Enough to Confront, and it said in one line in there, it's the only line I remember from the book, but it said conflict can only happen when two people care about the same thing. If one party doesn't care, you will not have conflict. Now, they care very differently from one another, but that's what happens when we, when we find ourselves in these situations where we are looking at one another. It's how we handle conflict that makes the difference in our relationships individually, in our marriages, in our co-workers, and certainly within God's church. So let's just follow kind of what Paul does here. The first thing he does is he affirms his friend Philemon and reminds him of the relationship that they share. He says, you're my brother in Christ. You're my heart. He reminds him of their love for one another in Jesus. And then he concedes that this guy has done something wrong indeed, and it would be absolutely normal for him to be punished. He asks permission to send the slave back to the owner and clearly lays out the choices that Philemon has in what he's going to do but then he challenges him to do what is right, not according to the law, at least not the law of the land, but he challenges him to do what is right as a Christian, not as a slave owner. He says, Paul takes it on himself and says, I'll make things right. I'll pay whatever I need to. But he also challenges Philemon to do the same thing, to take the high road and to take him back and to let this grievance go unpunished and then he expresses even confidence that Philemon will do the right thing 
in the eyes of God. He believes the best about him, and he communicates that to him. He doesn't try to buy the guy's way off. He doesn't say that there's not a debt to be paid. What he does say is, I'll make restitution. I'll write whatever wrong has been done. As far as that's possible, I'll do that. So if we, one of the principles coming out of that is sometimes we think because we've been forgiven of something that maybe we don't have a, a right or, an, or a moral obligation to repay something that's owed or to right the person wrong. And that's not what he's saying here. He's sending him back despite the fact that he wanted Onesimus to stay there with him. He's sending him back so that he can be a part of this man's life. And he says he'll pay the debt for him. And as, as a complete aside, isn't that what Jesus Christ has done for us we had a debt we could not pay we had no way to make restitution for the sins that we have had in our own lives and where paul offers to pay and says put it on my account thanks be to jesus christ who looked at you and me and said you know what dad put it on my account charge this to my account charge their sin against me don't punish them let them in and all of us are the recipients of a great blessing because of that Grace is love that pays a price, and that's what Jesus Christ did for us. And that's called, it means the doctrine of imputation, which, you know, big words, but basically he took it on himself, on our account. When Jesus died on the cross, our sins were put on him, and we were able to be given the grace gift of salvation coming into that. Jesus says, you, you no longer owe a debt. I've paid that for you. Come in. And for anybody here this morning who wants to talk about that after we're done, Pastor Rusty and I would love to visit with you about that. But just looking for a moment about this idea of, of conflict. There are several steps here that Paul takes that I want to generalize. And I'm not trying to do cycle babble this morning. I, these are principles right out of God's word. And any counselor that's in here will agree with these, I believe, about what steps we see that need to happen. And uh, John Maxwell wrote a whole book on this one thing right here about how do we how do we deal with conflict? And I think for all of us, my grandchildren, when I said that I'm an expert on this, let me explain. Um, my wife and I, after 12 years of marriage, uh, were decided we were going to divorce. Uh, we had been through a very rough, rough time in our marriage. I was traveling all the time. I was gone all the time. And when I came home, I still acted like I was a great husband and father there at the house, even though they hardly knew who I was. And uh, I also come from a uh, army family, a very loud army family. And I married a very quiet woman. And uh, when we fought, uh, it was somewhat one-sided. Uh, now, I thought it was great because most of the time that was all my side. <laughs> so I thought, okay, I win, you know. And um, we, would, we, we finally uh, decided after that, when we were, we were at the point of divorce, we, went, we started going to counseling, um, which if anybody's in that spot this morning, I will tell you, uh, the Bible says only the wise seek counsel. And uh, we just, uh, uh, the day or two before, on November 25th, when it was the day, the 28th, anyway, three days ago, we celebrated 44 years together. So we have survived. <laughs> we have survived. We've even thrived a little bit along the way. But there were hard lessons to learn because my idea of fighting and her idea of fighting were very different. And so we went to the counselor to learn some steps. And I want to share not those steps. I want to share the steps out of the word. But I, I tell you this because I know firsthand uh, that conflict can destroy relationships. Conflict can destroy a church. 
conflict that's unresolved in, in, in any relationship structure, at work or at home or in God's family, is a, is a terrible thing that can eat away underneath the church and just, just tear it apart from inside. And so we need to know what God says here about how to handle this. And the first thing that really Paul always has told us that he prays without ceasing, we are to pray without ceasing. And so when I found that one of the things that helped me a great deal, uh, when I'm really, really upset about something, which I tend to um, have a faster trigger than my wife, uh, I get upset a little more easily. And uh, one, of the, one step that I have learned that we are to pray through our anger, we're to pray through our anger, um, and we made a practice at the suggestion of the counselor that every night before we would go to sleep, uh, the last thing that we would do is that we would pray before we went to sleep. Well, let me tell you something. If you have had a Donnybrook of a row uh, at, at, at 9 o'clock at night, and you're going to go lay down in the bed uh, at 10 o'clock at night, and you're going to pray, before, and you make a commitment that you're going to pray with each other, I have to tell you that that doesn't come real easy. And there were some nights where we laid there until 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning because we made a commitment that we were going to pray. And we learned that step, first step of praying through anger is one of the most valuable steps that we can take. So when you get mad, before you fire off that email or that text today, you know what? It used to be, if I was mad at somebody, some of us in the room can relate with this, but I would have to sit down and find me a piece of paper and some kind of writing instrument and write out a letter and, and put it in an envelope and put it on a stamp and uh, take it to the post office or have the guy come and get it. And three or four days later, it would get to the person that I was mad at and they'd have no idea what I was talking about because they'd done forgot what happened four days ago. You guys don't have that luxury today. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, we can grab up that phone in 32 seconds, go, bam, and nuke the person on the other end of the line, right? Well, I have to tell you, this step's kind of important right here. If you pray first, you might find that you stop what's happening here. The other thing that you have to do is you have to decide that you're going to talk to somebody about what's going on. A lot of times, and I think this is very true in church family life, we have a hurt we have something that has happened and we just hold it in here. And we don't go and sit down as the Bible tells us in Matthew to go and sit down with somebody that we're in conflict with. Uh, we don't do that very well sometimes. And we walk around and we let that thing sit inside of us and simmer and burn and uh, become what the Bible would call a, as a root of bitterness. And when you're being influenced by that in your life, everything that you do is, is colored by what's happening there. So after you have prayed to initiate contact and go sit down with someone and say, I really need to, to talk with you, it takes a lot of courage, and it takes coming from the right spot in your mind, which is what we're talking about in this letter. Paul writes to... Um, and of course he did it the old fashioned way he didn't even have a mailman he had some runner that's going to run across Rome and take this letter to the next place that it's going to go but um, you initiate that conflict and don't wait for the other person I, I've had men in church I remember a story of a man in my life in church one time came to me he was very upset he said he couldn't even sit in church and listen to the sermon because he was so mad at this man that was sitting over here and I said have you talked to him about it? no he needs to come talk to me and, and, and you know what years went by years went by and he did he would not go and he died it's a separate story of that but i mean he passed away with never having resolved that conflict because he refused to just go and sit down and talk is that sad 
but we do that in our pride and in our feeling that we're right. God calls us into a ministry of reconciliation, a ministry where we are we're to talk with others and to try to work things out. When you do that, one of the things that I found through, through what Paul does here and what I was told in counseling is if you start by affirming somebody else's feelings, if you start by talking to somebody, say, I understand that you're upset. I have to tell you, that, never, that was never my first words to Robin. <laughs> <clears throat> It's never my first words. I already knew she was upset. <laughs> uh, but when you sit down with somebody and you just say, hey, you know what? I, I understand that you're upset, and, and that's okay, because every counselor in the world will tell you that feelings are not wrong or right. They're just feelings, all right? And so they're going to be spoken in, in, in those relationships. Well, Paul writes, when we read what he says to uh, Philemon, he says, look, I know you have a right to be upset. This guy has run away, and you have every right You've got every right to be upset. You've got every right to want him punished. You've got every right to want him returned. He affirms. He, he doesn't start off by bashing on him. He affirms what the situation is and says, you, ha, you, don't, you do have, you have something that's right and, and something that you're doing. If I come in here, and if Margo's back there on the sound, I can pick on Margo. But if I would come in here on Sunday mornings and the sound to me was too loud, and the first thing that I would do is go back to, maybe to Margo because I, I know her and I love her and jump down her throat and, and, and just start off... <laughs> It never did turn out very well. Because <laughs> that's not how you do it. That's not how you, that's not how you resolve a conflict. But if, if you approach somebody and you, you validate maybe what this, their situation is, what's going on, what's happening in their life, but you have, to, you have to come to where you sit down and say, I understand that you're upset. I understand we have an issue. We have an issue, that we have a problem. You know, too often we just... We blame it on the other person, and we never, we don't want to admit to ourselves that we're a part of the problem. Uh, that's what happened in my marriage for the longest time. We went that first, I'll never forget that first counseling session. We had decided we were going to divorce and everything, and somehow or another God moved in our lives, and we decided we were going to go to counseling. We walked in and sat down, and, 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 and she, had a, she had a love, the counselor, she's in a chair over here, and there's a love seat, over, you know, big long thing over here for two people to sit on, and there's a chair over here, and Robin was sitting over here in this love seat on, on this end, and I was as far across the room as I could possibly be sitting over here in this chair, way farther away. We didn't even have to look at each other. You know, we, we're, just looking, we're just looking up there because we were in that much turmoil in our lives and we wouldn't approach each other at all we're just avoiding everything that is not the way that you're going to and I, actually what i thought was hey this is great we're here at counseling she's gonna fix her <laughs> right i mean it was all i knew it was all her i knew i was good i don't know what her problem was right I know, y'all, I know you can't relate to this very well. It's just on me, but I want to share you that this stuff does happen. I just knew if the counselor could help her, uh, we could get our marriage back together and, 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 and we would be okay. It's not what Paul says that we're to do. We're to affirm each other's feelings. And again, he, he says back to, to Philemon, look, I know you got a problem. I agree with you in the fact that this man has run away. And he, he brings up the issue and says, you know, you... you we, you have an issue here because he, I want him to come back to you. I want him to come back to you, but, but things are different. And this is where I think the apostle does this great job. And this is the principle, I think, of the whole book of Philemon, this one-chapter story. 
is once we enter into the kingdom of God, husbands and wives, co-workers, church family, whatever, if we, are, if we know that we're talking to somebody who's a part of the family of God, then the way that we treat each other is, is the way that we know Christ has treated us. The way that we approach each other even we're told in so many passages of Scripture, speaking the truth in love, you know, that we, we, we walk into these situations where we've got to be calm and at peace as we do that and, and to bring up an issue. Now, my daughters, I don't think Tristan's here. Yeah, they're not here. <laughs> Straight. Uh, <clears throat> they'll probably be here saying service. I'll change this a little bit. But they will tell you exactly how we fought. We had a we had a ba- we lived over here at 13th and Tyler for 24 years, and we had a basement, full finished basement, and everything. And the kids' rooms were downstairs, and ours were upstairs. And they will even they will even act out for you the footsteps coming down the hallway. Back down the hallway. And a minute later, because we were man, that's the way it was, right? We go, and they would say, "Dad, this is the part that a little humbling." Dad, you, here's what you do. I don't know why they picked on me, but they said, here's what you do. We come down and fight, walk away, and I'd say, that's it. That's the end of this discussion. <laughs> it's kind of like preachers when they say, in closing, you know that ain't happening, right? So I go back down the hallway, and then they say, a few minutes later, here I go, and one more thing, Robin. Blah, 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 blah. That does not clarify the issue. That does not affirm feelings. And, and the, the counselor told us we needed to learn how to fight fair. This is the freebie. The counselor, if you'll pay money for this, if you go to counseling, you'll have to pay. So if you want to leave me a contribution afterwards, if you, if, if you, get in, if you raise your voices and you start coming into that accelerated conflict, she told us we needed some way to de-escalate when things were reaching up to a crescendo. And she said the strangest thing. She says, you need to have a, you need to have a code word when you're fighting that you can use to, to, to just stop things for a moment and go and take a 10-minute break. Yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I'm sitting there, and, you know, I'm still sitting on my side of the room. And uh, believe it or not, I don't know how it came to it, but we said, okay, we'll do this. And the code word became giraffe. I don't know how. I don't know why. But I'm going to tell you something. If you're in the middle of a heated discussion, and you're just starting to ramp up. Some of you men know what I'm talking about here. You, 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 you got your righteous indignation going, and you're in an intense moment of fellowship. And, you, you're, and your voice has, has gone up about five notches. And all of a sudden, your wife looks at you and says, Giraffe! <laughs> well, first off, it kind of... The tension kind of leaves the room because you're just laughing. and You're thinking, what the heck? We use that word to de-escalate and walk away and break the tension and come back. Now, I'm not saying it worked every time, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not. But I also wasn't living a very strong Christian life at the time. And the more, Rusty has told us this every, every Sunday practically, the more we read and study and understand how God would have us live, the more it impacts how we live. And to be able to avoid those kind of situations and let the other person respond, you know, talk with them, let them share. Now, in this case, Paul kind of does the talking for, 
Philemon a little bit. He, he's not sitting face to face with him. So he kind of takes his side back and forth as he walks through this letter. And, and he says, listen, even if, you, if you're owed something, I'll, I'll take care of that. Just take him back as a brother in Christ. And this was the big line that I skipped a minute ago. But I mean, he says, if we're going to be Christ followers, he says it, it supersedes all other relationships. How does that come into play today? Well, I said it a minute ago jokingly about Margot, but if you're the senior pastor and you have associate pastors and you've got staff members and whatnot, you're in a position of authority, there's always room for conflict. How we approach people working with us, if we approach co-workers with that mindset that this is a, if this is a fellow believer and, and Christ died on the cross for both of us, how should I approach that? If it's, if it's me and Margo on the sound, if it's, in, in, you know, if it's any relationship, if you decide and you understand that Jesus Christ paid the price for you to have eternal life with God through that gift of salvation, he also like I said that the best thing he'd ever do for you is send God's Holy Spirit to reside inside of you that will help you overcome. And that's the chapter 8 part of Romans where he says, thanks be to God, and here's this Holy Spirit that's going to, to work with me. So, so often we're so anxious to get our point across, and this is true. Just think about the, the last uh, election that just came around, no matter what side of the fence that you were on, if you had a discussion with someone about politics and about uh, the, the issue of the day, whatever it might have been, um, I had a lot of opportunity to talk with people and have conversations about the abortion amendment that was on back in August. And, um, you know, you, you get so anxious to get your point across that you don't hear what the other person is saying. What's more, sometimes you don't even care what the other person is saying because you just, you believe you're right, you know what's right, and you're going to get what's right put across that person. Well, you know what? That, that, that may mean that you're right, but it certainly didn't resolve any conflict that you would have. And Paul could have, and he said in this letter, I'm in a position to command you to take this guy back. I'm the head of the church there. I'm in a position of authority in God's kingdom to command you and say, this is what you're going to do. But he said, wait a minute, I, that's, not how I'm, that's not how I'm coming at you. So if you're going to have a conversation worth its salt with anybody, and not find yourself in that, then being able to relax and not have to be victorious in the first minute, or maybe the whole conversation, but just be able to have a conversation about what's going on, you have to be able to bring up the issue, and you have to be able to let that other person respond so that you know if you're listening to them, you're able to talk about this issue, whatever it might be, in conflict, um, and, and, and have a little bit better understanding instead of trying to do that. And so often, one of the steps John Maxwell said it wasn't in here is narrowing the focus, narrowing the focus. Now, this is where in our, in our, in our conflicts, in our household, what I found was uh, we could be arguing about something specific. Uh, I didn't like what she fixed for dinner. Never happened because I love to eat, but I mean, I, I, you know, I, I didn't like what she fixed for dinner. And all of a sudden in that fight, she's saying to me, you didn't like the way I cooked the first year we got married, and you didn't like that time that I made the meatloaf, and it wasn't like your mama's. And we start bringing all the baggage into a thing. If we can just sit down and talk about what really is on our mind and narrow that down, and then being able to forgive, being able to forgive, this is what Paul asks Philemon to do. 
Will you forgive him as a brother in Christ and take him back? Will you forgive him and compromise on your opinion, not your principle? Because he didn't say that he was ever wrong with what he believed. But he said, will you, will you take him back in Jesus' name? I think for all of us, when we, when we read this, we need to be thinking about how is it that, how is it that God has dealt with me? I've, I used to joke in here about people cutting me off in traffic and, and how upset I would get about that. And it's no joke. I mean, I, 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 had, a terrible, I had a terrible temper about that. And, um, and, and one day, Robin and I were talking in the car, and she looked, you, know, you do know that Jesus died for that person too. And you know it was the most sobering thought. It was the most sobering thought. I, I, I didn't know that that person was a believer or not. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm sure it's the way they cut me off that they weren't a believer. But I just, you know, <laughs> but, but Robin, what she said was, Jesus died once for all. And she reminded me of the unique position that we find ourselves in as believers in conflict is that we're dealing with people that the Savior died for in the same way that he died for us. Not to hyper-spiritualize, but think about it. Think about that for a moment. That Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary and took on all of my sin and all of your sin and all of the sin of every sorry son of a gun that will ever cut you off. He paid that price so that that person could stand with you one day in eternity celebrating the relationship that's how i see paul approaching philemon and saying will you take him back now the uh, the paul harvey rest of the story in this that we don't read in this scripture but we find elsewhere in the bible is that he did take him back and as a matter of fact he encouraged onesimus along there and onesimus later becomes a bishop in god's church but they had conflict because of what had happened and they had to work through that. You and I will have opportunity for conflict. Every day, probably. Whether that's going to be in uh, a relationship at home with grown children or with parents uh, or aging or if it's in the workplace with co-workers of every kind, subordinates, superiors, whatever it might be. In this church, when I walk in here and I look and I see what God has done, when I, when I come in and I was, I, was, I was ill during the thankful feast this year and I couldn't be there it just broke my heart because I watch, I look at the pictures and I, I watch a church family that believes so strongly in taking part in something that helps people and in, enriches their lives and while it's enriching ours at the same time and, and I have to admit to the gift of, of pride I, I do, I get very proud of what I see that God has done and the last thing that I as a, as, as a pastor in this church as a, as a fellow believer ever want to have happen is for there to be unresolved conflictual situations inside of our church and I pray I'm thankful to all of you I'm thankful to God because we have been blessed we've been blessed in this church every business meeting I've ever been to all the ones these last four years as Pastor Rusty is has gotten up and shared and talked about things, presented bylaw changes or the budget or whatever it might be. It has always been a thrill to me to see the unity that he was reading about in that scripture earlier. And that's what I pray for all of us. I pray for it in the church. I pray for it in your homes. And I pray for it 
in your workplaces. I pray that God would bless us all by, by reading just one little old chapter book in this Word of God and coming to grips with what it is that God would have us do. And, and that last step is really, really important. To pray and affirm your love for one another. I promise if we do that step at the end of a discussion that's difficult, if we do that step at home after we've had that row, if we remind each other in that process and through our prayer that we have a Savior that paid it all for us, I think we can resolve our conflicts. I think we can continue in this church building upon what God has done and see the fruit of that in all of the years to come. I'm so thankful for what God is doing here and what I see happening in the lives of the people that call Crossroad their church home. Would you just pray with me? Lord, we thank you for the day. We thank you for the privilege that we have of, of coming together and on Sunday mornings while we just celebrated Thanksgiving with our Maybe our families of origin, Lord, is so great to come in here and, and be able to celebrate with thanksgiving the church that you have given to us, the place that we get to call our church home and where we can come and we can share life and laughter and love and friendship and enjoy the fruits of everything that you have provided for us, Lord. And I pray that even this morning, if there would be anybody in the building who has a, an issue with someone else, Lord, that we would... Uh, we would pray about it, that we would initiate that contact, uh, that, Lord, we would listen to what's being said, that we would not have to be right, but rather in love we would be willing to sit down and share and talk through things and then work it out. I ask your blessing upon each and every person here, Lord, and give you praise and thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.